Welcome to the Narcissist Slayers, a podcast focusing on recovery from narcissistic abuse. I'm your co-host, Hope J. And I'm your co-host, Lynn Catalano. And we are both survivors of narcissistic abuse. I am also an attorney working with survivors of narcissistic abuse and the founder and president of the Center for Hope of Western New York. I'm an attorney, a narcissistic abuse coach, and the author of Wrecking Ball Relationships, How to Identify, Live With, or Leave the Narcissist in Your Life. Learn more about me at lynncatalano.com. At the Center for Hope, we offer hope, help, and healing from narcissistic abuse. We are a nonprofit organization with a mission to provide legal advocacy, mental health support, financial advisement, and holistic healing services to help you down the path from victim to survivor. You can find out more about our services by checking out our website, centerforhopewny.org. And please follow us on all platforms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, at Center for Hope WNY for helpful information about recovery from narcissistic abuse. Today's topic on the Narcissist Slayers is trauma bonding. Trauma bonding is a very important topic to talk about because this is how the cycle of abuse starts, is in order to get hooked in to a narcissist, you have to become trauma bonded to that narcissist. And it's really the first part of the cycle of abuse because it's the trauma bonds that keep you stuck in the relationship. Isn't that right, Lynn? Yes, absolutely. And it is a cycle, it's a vicious cycle that feeds itself and keeps the victim trapped. So we're gonna to talk today about uh, the definition of trauma bonding. We're gonna give a, a little history about what trauma bonds are and how they came to be known as trauma bonds because I think it's really interesting. Uh, people can be trauma bonded in all different types of situations. And then we wanna kind of delve into how trauma bonds form in the context of abusive relationships, particularly in intimate partner relationships with a narcissist. So Lynn, can you talk, tell us about the history of trauma bonding? You know, it, it is very interesting because when we talk about some of this terminology, a lot of it has been defined very recently in our recent history. So the term trauma bonding wasn't even coined until 1997. Um, Patrick Carnes, who's a PhD, he happens to be a specialist in addiction therapy mm. and the founder of the International Institute for Trauma and Addiction. So he defined it as dysfunctional attachments that occur in the presence of danger, shame, or exploitation, and considered it uh, one of the human reactions to a traumatic situation. You know, that's, that's so interesting to think about it in that context, because I think a lot of times, you know, people don't understand or recognize that an abusive relationship rises to that level, right? Rises to that level of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of being constantly in a dangerous, you know, abusive situation where your body is really in fight or flight a lot of the time, which is, I think, you know, when, when we think about how trauma bonds form, you know, there a lot of it is emotional and psychological, but there's a physical component to it as well. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And, and before the term was coined, the only term we had available was Stockholm Syndrome. Mm -hmm. And that really referred to very specific 
kidnapping situation. Right. And that... It, yeah, it's that phenomenon that, that, you know, people have heard about, right? When someone is, is kidnapped or or taken hostage, that's what, what's the, what actually when they're referring to in, in the yes, Stockholm yes, situation, yes. that people uh, tend to then to bond with, identify with, and then defend their abuser. Right? And that happened then again with Patty Hearst, yep. right? Very yep. well known. Yep. So, And it happens in, you know, in, in modern day situations too, when, when you see a, a, a person in an abusive relationship defending their abuser. Yeah. Part, of, part of what you're seeing is is the manifestation of a trauma bond, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So what's what's the modern definition? Like, how do you see it uh, being used today? Well, so um, I know that there were, oh, we already talked about that. Oh, no, we didn't talk oh, about okay. that. Okay, yeah, let's, let, yeah, let's talk about okay. the situation. Yeah, I want to, just to give some context before we, we okay. delve into like the specifics of how trauma bonds form in a, in a narcissistic abusive relationship. Okay, so where you'll see a trauma bond occur are situations like in a domestic abuse situation, in sexual abuse, yep. in kidnapping, uh, incest, cults. Yes. Unbelievable elder I mean, abuse. Cults are generally formed by narcissists or yes. you know pathological wow. narcissists and malignant narcissists and sociopaths. Oh my god! So when you see that level of um, you know the, the control that the cult leader has Power. over right, yeah. it's it's almost like you're looking at a, at a group manifestation of of really the relationship, the one on one relationship that. That a victim has with a narcissist in the context of wow. an in intimate partner relationship. Yeah. I know that's a difficult reach for some people yeah. to understand mm -hmm. that that sort of a, a, a trauma bond can form in a in an intimate relationship. The same kind of control that a cult leader might have over right. a group of people who are you know sort of beholden to that cult leader. But I do think there are a lot of similarities in, in an intimate relationship when you're feeling a lot of those same feelings towards wow. your abuser. Wow. And oftentimes, because I, you know, I happen to watch a lot of these shows. <laughs> I watch a lot of shows that have to do with, um, you know, pathological serial killers and, and, and cult leaders and things of that nature. And you see how they groom their victims. Ooh how they break down their barriers. You know, we're gonna talk about how this is done in the context of a one-on-one -on -one yeah. relationship. Yeah. But you see the same thing happening in these, these movies. And I think a lot of people who have been uh, victimized by a narcissist recognize it. You recognize it when you're seeing it on TV. Well, here's the thing that I think is the big difference between um, an, an abusive relationship where there's some kind of physical abuse and an abusive relationship where there's purely emotional abuse, people find it hard to convince others that they're being abused. That's right. Sometimes they find it hard to convince themselves. themselves. And that, <coughs> excuse me, is so painful to witness. Yes. And what happens is they, it's like the drip, drip, drip of emotional terrorism yeah. that's occurring and it's it's you're gonna you're gonna share something about the cycle yes because i think that it feeds itself it it does and it binds the the person to to stay in the relationship 
Well, I mean, so, and I, I think it applies in any situation. It applies when, when you're, you know, a victim of, of domestic violence. It applies when you're a victim of sexual abuse. Yes. Um, it applies when, when you're being groomed by a cult leader. Right. I mean, it, it applies right. in any of these situations where there's uh, a, a powerful, charismatic, uh, you know, narcissistic person who is attempting to gain control over right over a victim yeah. and and the way that trauma bonding happens in the context of a relationship in an, in an intimate relationship with a narcissist is you know they start out their whole goal end goal Lynn and I, and I think you know we don't know this when we first come upon a narcissist because they're showing their charming charming face right, right. they're showing their mask to the world right. and you think that you've met this incredible person you know I just I just read something yesterday I think is applicable to this conversation uh, when you first meet a narcissist, this this is one of the ways that you can kind of determine whether you're in the throes of love of love bombing or whether you're actually sort of in the in the beginning stages of a healthy relationship. Because if you're in the throes of love bombing with a narcissistic personality, you're gonna feel uh, something that's akin to like a, a high, like like you like you you're on some sort of a drug, right? You're you're gonna feel. You're gonna feel this rush, and you're gonna feel this excitement, and you're you know every time you're around this person, they're just you know pumping you up, and and you know a lot of times they're they're infusing you with all of these glorious kinds of you know you're 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 the perfect person for me. You're so wonderful. You're so great. They're putting you so high up on a pedestal that you know it's it's a dangerous indicator. And and I actually read this in in one of the articles that I I, I read in preparing for for today. If somebody's putting you up on a pedestal, that's a major red flag. Whew. It's a major red flag because, you know, the only place that you can go when from up here is down, okay? But if someone is pumping you, pumping you up to that extent, that's not realistic. Wow. Like, none of us, as much as, you know, we may be great people and we're empathic and we're all this, but none of us are perfect. No. And if you're getting, you know, initially in these initial stages of a relationship, um, it's part of the the first part of creating this trauma bond is this love bombing, the love bombing that that you're going to be experiencing, because you you know you you feel like you're in this magical situation where you found this wonderful person, you know this person who's so fantastic in so many ways, and you're seeing yourself through that person's eyes. That's the lure. Yeah. That's the hook. That's how they get you because. You know, who doesn't want to be seen like that? Who right. doesn't want to be seen as this perfect, wonderful person who's, you know, all these things that they're telling you and reflecting back at you and you're you're believing that you are so safe. Yeah. So safe in the company of this person. Right. So they've got to get you there, right? Where you are, you know, that's the place you're always going to be striving to get back to because that's the mark, right? You're you're there in this, you know, perfect uh, love bombing phase of the relationship. But the next part of, of how the trauma bond is created is that they start devaluing you, Yes. okay? And that's also the second stage of the cycle of abuse when you're involved with a narcissist, is you have the love bombing and then you're gonna start slowly, um, you know, and it does, it generally starts slowly, uh, where they start criticizing you and, you know, all the things that they originally thought were so great about you, suddenly they're taking umbrage with and right. that's not good and this isn't good and, you know, why did you do that and why didn't you do this? And little by little by little by little, you know, they're taking that perfect sort of, yeah. you know, image and they're breaking it down. 
Um, and, and they're not just breaking down the image, they're breaking you down. Yeah. I mean, it's all very calculated, manipulative, yeah. emotional abuse that's happening because they need to break you down. Yeah. Because guess what? Their only goal from the beginning, from the first time that they decided that you were going to be a good target for, for this sort of abuse, their only goal is to gain control over you. Right. It's all about power and control. It was never about bonding with you. It was never about, you know, forming this wonderful relationship no. with you. It was no. never about the long-term no. plan that they told you and all the things no. that they promised in no. the future faking. It was about hooking you yeah. on the drip, 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 right, mm -hmm. of, of this toxicity and then breaking you down because suddenly now you're not, you're questioning everything, but most of all, what you're questioning is yourself. You're questioning your own, uh, you know, your own self-worth. You're wondering what's wrong with you. You're wondering why this person who saw you as this wonderful person is now only seeing your flaws. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is that seesaw, right? When 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 we talk to clients, yeah. um, I, you know, I talk to clients every day, and they're always, you know, they describe it as like this roller coaster, right? You're not, you know, you're awesome. in this roller coaster yes. relationship with someone. By the way, red flag, red flag, red <laughs> yeah. flag. If there's high highs, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. that yes. you know, if you're not feeling a sense of sort of uh, um, stability with somebody, yes. if it's like these high highs and these low lows you're very likely dealing with a narcissist yes. or somebody that's disordered because yes. you know they get, they they're they're banking on that you're going to stick it out for the next high and that brings me to the most important thing that people need to understand about trauma bonding and how it happens it's something called intermittent reinforcement Ooh. And Lynn, you and I were just discussing this before uh, before we made this podcast Lynn and I both happen to have undergraduate degrees in psychology and both took uh, abnormal psychology. And one of the things that we learned uh, in in that major was about intermittent reinforcement. Yep. Do you want to? No, you, you no. please. You want, I want to talk about signs uh, signs of a trauma bond. Okay. You tell me. All right. So intermittent reinforcement is, is basically um, how a person is conditioned um, to, to, to expect certain things to happen. So um, and, and we learned about this like in rat studies and, yeah. and it's actually something that, that, you know, the people have figured out works so well on human beings that they use it in, in casinos and other things, um, to reinforce you to keep putting your money in those slot machines. Right. And what, the way it works is you never know, uh, what you're going to get, right? If you, if you're going to, you know, you never know how, how many quarters you're going to put in that slot machine until you get the, the, the big payout. Right. right. The rat doesn't know how many times they're going to hit that lever until they get the, you know, in, in these studies, a lot of times they were giving them cocaine. <laughs> I mean, oh, right? Why were you yeah. doing pellets? Okay. I don't know where you right. went to school. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this is because one of the studies was how many times would they press this lever until they kill themselves, oh, right? Oh, my God. Okay. Yes. So, in any event... If you don't know, um, if there's no rhyme or reason to this, you will keep working at it. Yep. You will continuously press that lever, you know, put the money in the slot machine, keep on sticking in this relationship with the narcissist because you don't know when he or she is going to turn around and give you that reinforcement of, of the love that you experienced in the beginning, that love bombing. Because the thing that these people understand is that they know they can't always be abusive. They're gonna flip back around. This is right. part of the cycle. You right. know, they have three channels. I tell people this all the time. It's rage, 
charm and self-pity, okay? But when they're on the charm channel, everyone, we know this. They are the most charming yep. people on the planet. Well, so, right? I feel like from, from my clients, I hear things like, it's not that bad. Right. They don't hit me. Right. Um, you know, they are good about certain things. And, and, and also, you know, what you, I think happens a lot is, you know, you'll go through a bad period with a narcissist where you're experiencing maybe a rage storm right. or, right. A, 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 you know, a period of the silent treatment. Oh, yeah. And then they'll apologize. And that's the, you know, that's the part of the cycle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yep, I, love ha- I love you. It won't happen again. Yep. And then you're off to the races. Right. And then they're good for a while. But you don't know how long. But you don't know how long. <laughs> and you also don't know what's going to, it's going to be to set them off. What's right. Next? So it's that constant walking on eggshells oh, thing oh. until the next time and the next thing that happens and they're set off and you're off to the races and then you just continually go round and round in this um, in this cycle. Awful. But the more that you 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 stay in this relationship, the more trauma bonded you are to this person. Right. The trauma bond only gets stronger. It gets stronger and right. harder to break because right. the more trauma and you know the that you go through with a person, the more trauma bonded you are. Right. And the thing that you know we don't understand. By we, I mean the, the survivors. We think that this uh, pull, this, this, this strong uh, tie that we feel to this person, and oftentimes it gets to a point where we feel like we can't live without this person. It, it's, right. So, right. it's so strong. Right. We feel, think that this is love, right. okay? We, we think this feeling that we feel is love, this compulsion to, you know, to be with this person, this fear that if this person leaves us that we're going to die, literally. Right. I mean, I felt right. that way. I know others that felt that way. People, that's not love. Right. That is trauma bonds. Yeah. You are feeling trauma bonded. And trauma bonds are harder to break yes. than any other kind of addiction yep. because not only are you feeling this emotional pull and this emotional tug but your your brain has been rewired because yeah. of this intermittent reinforcement well hope I, I just want to point out to our audience what four signs they should be looking for to see if they have this trauma bond because i think it's it's very interesting to hear about but a lot of people say meh that's not me right yeah yeah it's not me i don't have that well one is if you're a victim and you cover up or make excuses for your abuser, abuser yeah. your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife's behavior, that's a big red flag of a trauma bond. Or your parent or your boss. Right. Or, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Your Cause, siblings. Cause you, can, you can be trauma bonded to anybody. Correct. You know, when Correct. you go through this sort of experience yeah. with them. Absolutely. Yeah. And listen... The narcissistic abuse is so entangled with guilt and shame and embarrassment that it's hard to separate those feelings and to determine that you have suffered actual emotional abuse. And and the reason for that is because, you know, they've convinced you that it's normal. When you are in this sort of space with a a, a toxic person, they convince you that toxic is normal. And then you're lost in the sea of cognitive dissonance, right? Uh, and 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 it's that you know it's it's so confusing to yes. anybody. Um, but now that you've had your whole identity attacked by this Oof. person, it's even harder yeah. to find your way out. Yes. So what are some other signs? Number two, um, 
you as a victim are lying to friends and family mm -hmm. about the abuse. Yep. Number three, you don't feel comfortable leaving the abusive situation. Or four, you as the victim think it's your fault. Yes. Which we are here today to tell you it is not your fault and you did nothing to deserve this. Yes. Um, that's, I think that's one of the ways that they keep you entangled in yeah. this is because of the blame shifting, the gaslighting, the, you know, all of the, all of the tactics that they use to shift it back onto you. And generally speaking, we're talking about the survivor who is an empath or codependent. Yes. So, you know, we absorb all of it. Yes. You know, we're the ones that are, are reflecting saying, maybe it is my fault. Maybe right. I did, you know, I remember maybe I'm the narcissist. That's right. Maybe I'm, I've heard that many oh times. My yeah. Gosh. Yes. Um, because you know, you're, you have a conscience and you, you, you know, you're trying to figure your way out of it. Well, so the other part of this that I think is so awful and I hear this repeatedly is that the other person, the non narcissistic personality disordered person yeah. just wants to make the relationship work. And so they put their head down and, and they're they like, do it's not that bad. Yep. I can do this. Do I can it. make peace. I That's can, right. I can you've please You've got children. Everybody. You've yep. got a history. You know, you've got all these reasons. Or why you I need make to work, work here. Yep. I need this yep. job. Whatever yep. it is. It's my family member. It's, yep. Yeah. I mean, there's yep. so many reasons that we give ourselves yes. to, to stay stuck in this place. Yep. Um, so how do we break this? Yes. How do we break a trauma? Yes. So, so yes. I mean, honestly... Uh, this is this is a, such a difficult, difficult process to break a trauma bond because trauma bonds are it's like, you know, I, I envision it like in my mind is like this, like these vines, like these black oh vines just gosh. sort of like wrapped around your heart. Wow. And it's like you almost have to just, you know, you, you have to figure out a way to unwrap yourself yeah. from it. Yeah. It, it is. It, it's, it's like you feel you, you feel like you're chained to this person cool. and you don't know how to unchain yourself. Wow. Um because of the guilt, fear, and obligation, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. so much of that that's, that's, like you said, that's intertwined in these relationships. Yeah. So the first thing that I recommend, and we have a whole list, yeah. but the first thing that I recommend, um, and I do recommend this to people, you know, when they come to see me in the context of a legal uh, consultation, sometimes people just aren't there yet. They're still in, in this space. They're still trauma-bonded to the person. They still have, you know, feel like there's maybe hope to that person to change and all this kind of stuff. So until you've gotten to a place where you recognize that the only person you have control over is you, yeah. right? And the only person who can change or that you know you have any control over changing is you, right? okay? Right. Uh, you're not ready to leave, okay? And everyone's ready to leave at their own time. Just like in any uh, abusive situation, uh, it generally takes a person up to seven times where they attempted to leave and they go back. So this is a very common thing before they're able to actually leave. Yeah. Trauma bonds are at, at the root of why it's so difficult to leave yeah. uh, an abuser. But one of the first things that I recommend is see a counselor. Make an appointment, even if you have to do it behind your uh, partner's back. Uh, make an appointment with somebody who has expertise in narcissism and narcissistic abuse, cluster B personality disorders. Not every counselor understands what this is. Yeah. And as Lynn said earlier, if you go to somebody who minimizes what you're saying because you're, you know, you're not being physically uh, attacked, that's just going to make things worse. It's going to delay your healing process. You, want, you need to talk to somebody who understands what a narcissistic abuse is, what yeah. emotional abuse manipulation yeah. is. 
Here at the Center for Hope of Western New York, we have counselors who understand that. Yes. If you live in New York State, we can work with you virtually. Uh, please contact one, contact us, 716-955-9658. We can help you, um, you know, on, on these in this initial part of your journey. Uh, the second thing that somebody can do if they're not ready to talk to a counselor is talk to a coach. And I'm going to turn it over to our <laughs> narcissistic abuse recovery coach, Lynn. Why would it be important to talk to a coach? Well, number one, I think it's so important to talk to someone. And so much of the time, it's easier to talk to someone that's not in your immediate circle of friends because of the shame and the embarrassment and the guilt. I think it's so important to discover the, the actual elements of narcissistic abuse and learn more about it so that you can, it's validating to know that you have suffered. It's validating and comforting to know that other people have suffered similarly. You are not the only one. I get that so many times where people say to me, I thought I was, you know, by myself. I thought I was all alone. I didn't know that other people had suffered similar things in other situations. And so for me, when I talk to someone and I see how much pain they're in, I'm able to guide them through my coaching program step by step. I meet with them weekly and I have a framework where I address all the issues of narcissistic abuse, but every client has a unique situation. And so everything is customized to them, but it's so important because it will help you to begin that healing process. Yes. Yes. And that's, you know, and part of it is, you know, educate yourself. Uh, you know, if you have begin to suspect that you're in a relationship with somebody that's disordered, there's so much information on the internet, yes. um, you know, yes. start, start researching it uh, yes. and, and, and start following some of the people who are talking about this regularly. Yes. Um, Self-care is so. another big thing. Um, I know it's really difficult when you're, uh, you know, in a relationship like this because you feel like you're drowning, yes. but you know, you, you need to give yourself that lifeline. Yes. And, and, and you know, try to find, uh, you know, something that you enjoy, maybe take a class, um, spend time with friends, go out and, and give yourself a massage or go hiking or, you know, do something for you. Even more than that, I like to, um, I like to guide my clients with some breathing exercises and I strongly encourage meditation and I feel like um, I am one of the people on this earth who was born without patience. And so meditation is very challenging for yes. me. And yet I now do it every day because I find that it is so critical for self-care. Yeah. And so whether that involves prayer, whatever your uh, background is, or it's, it's just time spent in quiet meditation, I think that it's it's very important. Sometimes it's just about taking a walk, yeah, or or taking taking a bath or a shower yeah. and putting on clean half clothes. an hour for you, yeah. half an hour for you. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that you, you you know you mentioned before we started the podcast today was about journaling, and I just yes. can you just talk about that quickly because I think it was yeah. a, an important thing. Yeah. So, um, and I I do recommend yeah. this to many of my clients because what happens is when you're in the moment, you need to record what's happening. And look, my handwriting's terrible, so for me, I always typed it. But if you can, just grab a notebook, grab something, and write down the date and what happened and how you're feeling. Because later on, when you're writing notes that are contemporaneous, that are in that, you can see that same day and time, you can look back and say, oh, 
that happened. Because you tend to gloss over some things and you tend to forget some of the worst things that happened. And the journaling will really remind you this is not going away. And you can probably see the cycle. Well, journaling. yes, I think it's very helpful. And it also is helpful to ground you in reality when your abuser is trying to gaslight you out of your reality. Yes. So yes. you can go back and say, yes. no, this is what happened. This is what you um, said. This, exactly. Yes. Um, for yourself, too. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I would recommend is to join a support group. Yes. Um, you know, that way you can be among other people who are in, you know, different stages of recovery from a relationship like this. Whether it be, again, through the center, we offer a, a support group or... Um, you know, one of the things that I think is really helpful is CODA. It's Codependency Anonymous. Um, you know, it, one of the, it's one of the things that we struggle with is, as, you know, empaths and codependents is setting boundaries, um, holding on to those boundaries and learning how to, uh, you know, be able to let some of that stuff go yeah. in relationships. And, and you can learn a lot of that uh, through a support group. Great. So. Was there anything else you wanted to add today? Not today. Okay. I think we covered a lot right. today. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, tuning in and we will see you next time.